Hello and welcome to the Building Christian Fellowship Podcast. We are very excited that you have decided to tune in today and pray you are blessed by today's message. First, we have to go back and look at the book of Exodus. And for you guys that are here, I don't have all day to do a, a big teaching on the Old Testament and Exodus and the, and the tent of the meeting place, but I'm just going to break some things down for you. And I'll pray that you guys will go home and read Exodus and, and read Numbers and go back and read Samuel so that you can get a little bit more background on these stories. But I'll give you enough to understand what's going on today. So we look back at the book of Exodus, and God had given Moses and Aaron, his brother, specific instructions about the tent of meeting and the movement of the the Ark of the Covenant. God said, I'm giving you specific instructions how to deal with my presence. Now, when the camp was ready to move, the Levites are to come do all the carrying. The Levites, the priests. But they must not touch any holy thing or they will die. No matter how innocently it was done, touching the Ark or touching the presence of God is in direct violation of God's law and, was, and should result in death. Now, this was a means of preserving the sense of God's holiness and the fear of drawing near to him without appropriate preparation. Now, I'm here to tell you that God, the same God that spoke then is the same God that's speaking now. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. When God says it, it is so. He didn't change his mind about what he said. God, when he spoke about approaching his presence then, he still means it now. You can't just come to God any old way. Now, yes, you come as you are, but there's an attitude that you need to come with. Now, as we go back, we have to look. When David put the ark on the cart, that was the first mistake. King David said, look, we're going to return the ark back to the, the city of David, back to Jerusalem, put the ark on a cart. He knew better. But he did it anyway. I don't care. It didn't belong on a cart, new or old. See, it was to be born upon the men, I mean, on the shoulders of men. If you look back, the Levites in Exodus were the ones that were charged with carrying the Ark of the Covenant. You're like, how could they carry it without touching it? God gave them specific instructions. He told them to take two poles of cedar and he slide it through. And they were to pick it up and carry it on their shoulders. And as I begin to look at that, I begin to see that God always, even then until now, was a prophetic picture of God showing us that his presence was always meant to be carried on the shoulders of men. See, a cart was made by man's hands. But the presence of God wasn't meant to be in a building made by God's I mean, by man's hands. The presence of God was meant to be in a building that was made by God. That presence that he wanted was to be laid on your shoulders, which also tells me it takes work. Anytime you place something on your shoulders and begin to carry it, it's laborious. It's laboring, which tells me that to have the presence of God on my life is going to take work. Now, Failing to follow God's precise instructions would be seen as this. Not reverencing God's word. It also could be seen as you're having an independent attitude such as, I'm just going to do it the way I want to do it. I know God told me to do it this way, but it's much more easier for me to do this. If God told me to go up the mountain and climb it, that takes a lot of work, God, but 
There's an escalator. I'm going to use that over here. I'm still going to the top. Doesn't that sound about right, God? At the end, I'm still doing what you told me to. I'm not just doing it how you told me to do it. So it all just, I add those up, it all leads to disobedience. Disobedience. When we don't do things the way God tells us to do it, it's just plain disobedience. I don't care if you did 99.9% of what God said the way he said it. That 0.1%, you doing it your way, means you're disobedient. I have to add, too, is your attitude while you're doing it. There's times that I, I look at kids and, and, and even my son sometimes, I tell them, sit down. Now, they know the consequences if they don't listen. But when they sit down, I can see the attitude all on their face. Come on, y'all. What you're saying on the outside, I'm sitting down. But on the inside. Standing up. We get that attitude with God a lot. God, I'm going to do what you want to do only because you said do it, but I really don't want to do it. Disobedience. We also learned that last week that there has to be a death. There has to be a death before the presence of God shows up. Jesus Christ had to die. In order for him to give us his spirit, to be with all of us at the same time, to be with us and in us. So there had to be a death. And as we see that Uzzah died, and when he died, it made an opportunity for the presence of God to land in a man's house named Obed-Edom. Now, I like this, and a lot of people don't realize this. And if you go into your study or you begin to see that Obed-Edom's name means worshiper of Edom. He was a worshiper. We found out this dude was a worshiper. Even greater than that, he was a convert. He wasn't an Israelite. He adopted David's religion. He adopted, he heard about this God and said, I want to be like that. So he, was a, he adopted the religion. But do you realize that to Jewish people, he was considered a dog? He was considered an outcast? He wasn't even considered, to be honest. Do you remember when Jesus looked at the woman and she, she asked him, hey, Lord, I, I want some of this bread. He says, look, what I'm coming to give is for the children of Israel. It's for their, their dining table. And she goes, yeah, but even dogs eat the crumbs off their master's table. If Jesus was calling a woman a dog, so you know this man was a dog. But yet, he was known as a worshiper. And because he was known as a worshiper, after Uzzah's death, the ark of God, the presence of God, remained in his house. An outcast, a dog. Do you guys realize when you become a worshiper, God will begin to give you things you don't even deserve? I wish I had somebody in here that understood what I'm saying. When you become a worshiper, God will entrust you with things that you have no business having. God, when you become a worshiper, God will entrust you with finances. When you become a worshiper, God will entrust you with a, a nice relationship. When you become a worshiper, you'll begin to understand the very presence of God is in your life. When you become a worshiper. We also saw that there was this woman by the name of Mary. 
For all her life, she had been a prostitute. But when she came and broke open her alabaster box over Jesus, began to worship her, and other people were watching, and I believe it was Judas that said, man, first of all, if this man be a prophet, he'd know that this is a prostitute touching him. He wouldn't allow that. Besides, why is she using this money or this oil? We could have sold that and used it for the poor. Now, you realize people that are stealing always got something to say about your worship. Jesus turned and looked at him and basically said, since, I, since I've gotten here, she hasn't ceased to worship me. Since I walked in this place, she has not stopped to worship me. I'm in your house. You haven't even offered me anything. This is the part I love. He said, from this day, somebody say this day. He said, from this day, wherever the gospel is preached, she shall be known as a worshiper. Do you realize that she was known as a prostitute up until that point? But when she became a worshiper, one moment worshiping God will change your whole history. If any man or woman be in Christ Jesus, old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. When you become a worshiper, God created a situation for that worshiper to receive the presence of God and it stayed in his house. And the Bible declared that his whole house became blessed. The presence of God remained on a person's house that wasn't even created or made to have the presence in his house because he was a worshiper. And that all happened because Uzzah died and released the presence of God in his house. So this brings us up to our scripture for today. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 12 through 19, and it reads, And it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom, and all that pertaineth unto him, because the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And it was so that when they that bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, David sacrificed oxen and a fatling. And David danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up an ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. And they brought up in the ark the Lord, of the Lord and set it in his place, in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And soon as David had made an end of offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. And he dealt among all the people, even among the whole multitude of Israel, as well as the women and men, to everyone a cake of bread, a good piece of flesh, and a flagon of wine. So all the people departed, everyone, to his house. Now, let me stop right there, because as we read this scripture, it's familiar to some of us that's been in church, how David danced when the presence of God returned back to Jerusalem, and we rejoice. But there's some things in here that we don't see unless we're a, a studier of God's word. And, and I want to show you this, because David was in violation of God's word, the very word that God spoke to Aaron and Moses about handling priestly duties David was in violation of. So let me bring you up on some history. Now, the law of Moses stipulates that only the male descendants of Aaron's, whom are Levites, to be considered or to be commissioned 
to go before the house of God and the Jewish nations to, to handle all the priestly duties. This covenant was for the tribe of Levi and no other tribe was eligible or was able to replace the tribe of Levi to do this priestly duties. Only priests were allowed to make sacrifices. I'll say that again. Only priests were allowed to make sacrifices. The priests of Israel were set aside by God, the tribe of Levi. If you weren't a Levite, you couldn't be a priest. And if you weren't a priest, you couldn't make sacrifices. So let me tell you exactly what David did as we go over our scripture again. David first had on a linen ephod. Now, when God set up the whole temple, he even set up the fact of this is what only Levites can wear. Nobody else shall wear them. One of them was an ephod, but David had on an ephod. Now, let me remind you, David is not a Levite. He's from Judah. He's from the tribe of Judah. But yet, David has on a linen ephod. These are garments of priests, and that was the second foul he did. Yes, I said his second foul, because if you look back and you flip back a couple scriptures, a couple chapters, you'll see that David was on the run. He was in the middle of a battle, and while he was in a battle, David runs into the temple. He's tired, he's hungry, and he looks, and he sees a table with showbread. Now, the showbread was not just for show, even though it says showbread. It was for the priests to eat, only priests, but David ate the showbread. David, not a priest. David, not a Levite. David, from the tribe of Judah. The word of the Lord says, what? Only for the priests. If anybody does any of these things, they shall die. Then we see that David made sacrifices. It says that he sacrificed on behalf of the people before the Lord. He's not a priest. He's from Judah. And then the fourth thing he did wrong is he blessed the people. Priests were the only ones that were allowed to bless the people. So here we have David doing all these things. And I had to ask God, why would you let David get away with what you disapproved, disappointed, and dethroned Saul for? Why would you let David get away with all of these things, but yet you still killed Uzzah for touching the ark? But David got away with it. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm sitting here thinking, wait a minute, God's not wishy-washy. He also said he's no respecter of person. Why would he favor David over Saul and favor David over Uzzah? I, I couldn't get it in my mind. I just, I didn't understand. Now, Saul if you guys remember who Saul is, he's the predecessor to David of king of Israel. And in 1 Samuel chapter 13, Saul got himself in a jam, and he was fighting with the Philistines and all these other people. And he decided not to wait on Samuel, who was the priest, because Samuel was taking a little while getting there. So what did Saul do? Saul goes out and gets him a calf and sacrifices the calf because he couldn't wait on the priest. Now, I just want to ask you guys, how many of y'all know when you stop waiting on God, you're headed for some big trouble? When you get impatient and get ahead of God, you're setting yourself up for a huge failure. Too many of us are always trying to, to, to help God out in our situation. You know, when God promised you a, 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 a spouse, well, God, I'm going to help you. 
This must be you, Jesus. I know they're not saved yet. But I'll get them saved. We find ourselves in all kinds of troubles when we stop waiting on God. Now, I'm going to tell you guys something right now. The reason why God is making you wait, because he wants you to understand that, that you, once you've gone through every earthly way possible and it fails, that that's when it's going to happen. Because he wants you to understand that it wasn't you that made it happen. He wants to, everybody to see if it had not been for the Lord, I wouldn't have gotten where I'm gotten. There is no earthly way that I could have made this happen. When somebody comes to you and go, man, you are blessed and highly favored. It was nothing but Jesus. It was nothing that I could have done. Build your faith. So getting back to David, I said, David, how would you get away with this? You're getting away with what Saul, you're getting away with what you're doing what Saul did and you're getting away with it. I couldn't put that together and I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, David's not a Levite. He did all these things and you okayed it. I don't understand. And, be, and as I began to pray, I heard the Lord speak to me very clearly. He says, John, the problem you're having is you're looking at David and not looking in David. Isn't that just like us? So many of us are looking on the outside of people to see if they qualify. Oh. See, we look at people's credentials to certify them. And, and we look at people's situation to see if they're suited for the position. And we look at, at, at people's, the quality of a person to see if they qualify. We're always looking on the outside. Always looking at what it looks like. And see, God began to tell me, he said, look beyond what you see and look what's inside of David. And God brought me to the scripture in John chapter 7, verse 42. It says, hath not the scripture said that Christ cometh of a seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? And as I began to look into David, I began to see that the seed gave him his success. Whatever this seed that was in David that was supposed to come out of David is what gave him his success. I began to see that that seed that set him apart, that seed that sanctified him, the seed that was on the inside of David was the presence of God. It wasn't the presence of a king, but it was the presence of the king of kings. The seed and that presence that was on the inside of David wasn't just a normal priest. It was the, the, the presence of a high priest. Not a Levitical priest, but the priest at the order of Melchizedek. The presence that, that had him, that was in him, was the king of righteousness. The presence that David had in him was Jesus Christ. The seed that David had on the inside of him was the presence of God. Now, how many of y'all know, when you have that seed in you, when you have God's presence down on the inside of you, you get away with things other people can't. There's just some things you get away with when you got God's presence on the inside of you. You can get away with some stuff. Now, let me help you guys out before you look at me and go, oh, so I can go ahead and sin and get away with it? No. Don't frustrate the grace of God. Paul said it best. He said, shall I continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. No, I ain't talking about that. What I'm talking about is what happened in, in the book of Acts chapter 19. We'll start at verse 13 and 17. It said, a group of Jews, these are God's people. A group of Jews were traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantations, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. These guys were the seven sons of Sceva. 
a leading priest were doing this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirits leaped on them, overpowered them, attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. I'm glad somebody laughed because I'm picturing this the whole time. You just got whipped out your clothes. There was seven of y'all. One man jumped on them, beat them. But what I began to notice about these guys is they used the name of Jesus. Didn't they say it? In the name of Jesus Christ in whom Paul preaches. See, the problem with the seven sons of Sceva, this is the problem they had. They knew of Jesus. They worshiped in the temples. People could see that they were religious, but they didn't have Jesus on the inside. And if Jesus isn't on the inside, then you can't have the power and authority that comes from a relationship with Jesus. There's a lot of us in here right now that know about Jesus. We know where Jesus lives. We know who his mama is. We know all about Jesus. We know the scriptures, but we have no relationship with them. We have a knowledge of Jesus, but his presence, his presence isn't on the inside. As I bring this to a close, when you have the presence on the inside of you, you could begin to walk in authority. There's too many of us as Christians that don't have a relationship with Christ, but we're busy being like the seven sons of Sceva, quoting scriptures at everything at our house and thinking that it doesn't work because, God, your word ain't working. I don't believe in that Christian stuff. It doesn't work. No, the word works if the word's inside of you. That's like me getting a bullet and throwing it at you. The bullet got to be in the gun. You get it now? The words got to be inside of you. The word by itself is just word, but when you take the word, the living word, and put it inside of you, and you begins to come out of your mouth, then that word that comes out of your mouth is the word. The word is the seed. It's Jesus Christ. And as you begin to speak, you don't have to depend upon your authority. You begin to speak the word of God. And God says, I'll watch after my word to perform it. When you have that presence on the inside of you, you can call those things that are not as though they were. When you have the presence on the inside of you, you become blessed to be a blessing. When you have the presence on the inside of you, hopeless situations now have hope. When you have the presence on the inside of you, you can say, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. You can't say that if he ain't in you. When you have that seed, when you have that presence on the inside of you, you can say, if God be for me, who could be against me? When you have that seed on the inside of you, old things are passed away. And behold, all things become new. Only if his presence is on the inside. It's what's on the inside that matters. The whole point of the Bible is to get what's in the Bible to get inside of you. According to Luke chapter 8, 11, it says that seed that we're talking about 
is the word of God. Then you jump over to John chapter 1, verse 14, and it says that the word of God is Jesus Christ. So if the seed is the word, and the word is Jesus, then that seed, when it's in you, it's going to bear fruit. Because you know the Bible says that God's word won't return back to him void. He watches after his word to perform it. So if he's watching after his word, that means he's watching after Jesus Christ. If he's watching after Jesus Christ, he's watching after the seed. If that seed's inside of you, if it's in there, if that presence is inside of you, then it's going to bear much fruit. If you're living a, 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 a life, you call yourself a Christian, you're living a life, a defeated life, maybe you need to do a self-help check and ask yourself, is Jesus really on the inside? every Christian I know, they got problems and they go through things, but they're still living from a, a place of victory. I'm talking, I'm even talking about people that got illnesses and diseases. Well, you, you, you know, you, you say you got Jesus, man, but I still see you in that wheelchair. Yeah, I'm in this wheelchair, but one day I'm going to be walking and dancing in the presence of God. I, uh, I'm not here forever. I, I'm sorry. I don't, I'm not thinking. I'm not bound to this, this life here. I, I, I'm thinking eternally. So I'm going to ask you guys this today. What's inside of you? Are you full of you? Or are you full of God's seed? Are you full of God's word? Are you full of God's presence? Are you full of the Holy Spirit? Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. And if you would like to know more information about our church, please visit thebuildingcf.com or download our app on all major app stores and marketplaces. Once again, thank you and have a blessed day.